them from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. we got two parallel universes here. We've got this Mueller investigation, which was started, and we don't even know why it was started. The uh, underlying purpose of the investigation uh, is proven non-existent. It was known to be non-existent. We have a deputy attorney general in Rob, Rod Rosenstein who appointed him. And he's still chasing down people looking for, you know, false uh, statements and obstruction of justice and so forth. And Nothing about Russia in any significant way. And I talked at length yesterday about where he's headed with this thing. And then we have this other thing going on. Over at the uh, most senior levels of the FBI. And I think it's fair to say now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how much more information we need, that there is cronyism and corruption at the senior levels of the FBI like I've never seen before is somebody who used to work at the Justice Department. Absolutely incredible. We have an obligation to get to the bottom of this, those of us who care about this country. For the sake of the people who work at the FBI, tens of thousands of them, and even more for the sake of the American people. The same Democrats who trashed one local law enforcement agency after another who assume that cops are guilty even before they see any bit of evidence, have lined up strongly behind, not the FBI, the senior levels of the FBI. Because the senior levels of the FBI have done things and are doing things that they support, that they like, which is taking out this president. It's now apparent that this had been a plan, if not a plot, early on. Now, I'm not going to sit back and wait for the evidence. The evidence is swirling around us. We're smothered in the information. And that there's much, much more to come. Much more to come. Now, it actually takes some guts to want to dig into this. You saw what they tried to do to Devin Nunes, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. He had an ethics complaint filed against him. He was investigated. The ethics complaint turns out to have been completely nonsensical and was thrown out. In my own case, I dared to listen to what the media had written and said, I should say. Read what it had written. They had written and put it together, logically, with my own experience, and said something's terribly wrong here. And most of these stories were leaked to the media by Obama holdovers, by uh, senior levels at the FBI. Remember, I, keep t- I kept telling you, even before all these texts, these leaks are coming from the FBI. There's no other place they can be coming from, based on my own experience. 
And it wouldn't be the first time. And, of course, senior levels of our intelligence agencies. Again, not to besmirch the people who put their neck on the line every day. And there was a torrent of attacks from CNN, from MSNBC, from late-night comedians, from ABC, from AP, and on and on and on, against me. There were a relative handful of people who dared to stand up and defend me. Even some of my friends remained silent, but some of them did speak out, but it was a very small number. Now, of course, we have an avalanche of information, thanks to those of us who've been pressing this case for over a year. It was quite remarkable that when I started talking about this back in March, March 2nd on the radio show, March 5th on Fox and Friends, March 6th on Hannity, quite amazing how the media reversed course. The media were more than happy to publish these leaks, and the leakers were more than happy to assist them, because they wanted to make the case that the President of the United States, before that, the transition team, before that, the campaign was under investigation by counterintelligence officials in the government, that there was a FISA warrant to investigate potential Russian collusion. The problem is, when I put it all together, it told me a different story. And I presented it to you, and it told you a different story. Not that there's collusion, but that there are individuals and entities within the federal government that had abused their power to unleash an investigation, a clandestine investigation, of an opposition party candidate and or his surrogates, and or his groups during the course of an election and after his victory. Police state tactics. There's no way Barack Obama could have known about this. First of all, it was in the newspaper. Second of all, as I've pointed out again and again and again, he received the daily intelligence briefing this information, at a minimum, about the FISA warrants would have been in that briefing. These are counterintelligence investigations. And in order to issue a warrant, a judge has to find probable cause uh, that somebody is an agent of a foreign government, in this case, Russia. Nobody's an agent of Russia in Trump world. And the judge or judges who are responsible for issuing that warrant or approving that warrant are to be condemned if they'll reveal themselves. They're the oversight. Nor did we know at the time, a year or so ago, that the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee had used the front of a number of front groups, but they, they ultimately funded this uh, attack on candidate Trump with the assistance of Kremlin operatives. Nor did we know at the time that the man responsible for writing it, an ex-British spy, 
gave the reporter aspects of the report, that is the hit job, to the FBI. Nor did we know at the time that John McCain and or his staff did the same thing, and maybe others did too, and that it was used to secure a warrant to spy on aspects of Trump world. Nor did we know at the time who Mr. Stroke was or Ms. Page was. We clearly didn't have access to their texts. We didn't know about this insurance policy that they were thinking of. We didn't know about this secret cabal that they have in their texts. We didn't know about their hate for Trump and their love for Hillary. There's a lot we've learned since March 2nd, March 5th, March 6th of last year, about a year ago. But we knew something was wrong, and we knew we needed to see the applications for the FISA warrant. We still want to see the the daily intelligence briefing that the president received to see what he knew. And so I thought we would step back, as information keeps breaking on this, and as we must continue to keep pressing this. As I like to say, this is our country, this is our government, we own it. I would like to remind you of what we lawyers call the predicate. The foundational basis for what I think has come to pass. And now you can understand why the media genuflected from happily receiving and printing and reporting leaks to questioning their own leaks, realizing that the tables had been turned on them, that it wasn't a matter of whether in fact Trump and his people were under investigation. The problem was the fact that they were under investigation by an opposition party controlling the federal bureaucracy. So let us begin. Do we have time, Mr. Producer? Let us go now. This is a Fox and Friends Sunday, March 5th. Cut one, go. On your Thursday evening radio broadcast, you laid out a devastating case about executive overreach of the Obama administration, which many believe metamorphosized itself to tweets that President Trump sent out on Saturday morning, accusing potential wiretapping in Trump Tower. Uh, we want to give you a case here this morning to lay out what you know, what you know about it, and the evidence you have for the potential executive overreach of the Obama administration. Well, pleasure to be here. The evidence is overwhelming. This is not about President Trump's tweeting. This is about the Obama administration's spying. And the question isn't whether it's spied. We know they went to the FISA court twice. The question is, who did they spy on? The extent of the spying. That is, the Trump campaign, the Trump transition, Trump surrogates. And I want to walk you through this, the American people. Exhibit one. Exhibit one. This is all public. Head Street. Two separate sources with links to the counterintelligence community have confirmed that the FBI sought and was granted a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court. This is spying. Uh, in October, giving counterintelligence permission to examine the activity of, quote, U.S. persons in Donald Trump's campaign with ties to Russia. Let me go on. This isn't me. They say the first FISA request, sources say, name Trump was denied back in June, denied by the court. Mm -hmm. But the second was drawn more narrowly and was granted in October after evidence was presented of a server possibly related to the Trump campaign and its alleged links to two banks. Now, sources suggest that a FISA warrant was granted to look at the full content of emails 
and other related documents that may concern U.S. persons. Now, I know people are hung up with Trump's word wiretapping. Well, how'd they get access to this server information? Does it really matter if it was wiretapping, electronic surveillance, or whatever it was? Exhibit 2, The Guardian, a well-known right-wing British paper. Here it is. Uh, Quote, the Guardian has learned the FBI applied for a warrant from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court over the summer in order to monitor four members of the Trump team suspected of irregular contacts with Russian officials. Keep in mind, this is during a presidential election. And, I, and let me stop here and go live briefly. You need to understand this was not everywhere. It was in something called um, Head Street or something to that effect. And they pulled the article little. What's it called? Heat Street, and they condemned me later. And The Guardian is a left-wing, legitimate newspaper, left-wing in Britain. It was in precious few other places, and yet they had details that, that were compelling to me. Go ahead. Sitting president, the incumbent party is now investigating the presidential candidate of the Republican Party and his campaign to some extent. The FISA court turned down the application asking FBI counterintelligence investigators to narrow its focus. According to one report, the FBI was finally granted a warrant in October. Exhibit 3, McClatchy, another well-known right-wing newspaper. <laughs> Here they have the agencies. Headline, FBI, five other agencies, five other Obama administration agencies probe possible covert Kremlin aid to Trump. Now stop the right FBI there. We'll have to carry some of this one of the next segment and after the bottom of the air. See, I believe this was the dossier. I believe it had passed around throughout the Obama administration, the various intelligence agencies and so forth. What else could it possibly be? What else did they have? They didn't have anything else. Go ahead. Other law enforcement intelligence agencies have collaborated for months in an investigation into Russian attempts to influence the November election, including whether money from Kremlin... Uh, covertly aided presidential-elect Donald Trump. Two people familiar with the matter said. the agency Two people familiar with the matter said. Could that be Strzok and Page? I don't know. Could they have leaked it? There's no evidence anywhere of any sort that money uh, exchanged hands between the Russian government and the Trump campaign. So where did that come from? Two people familiar with the investigation? Well, who would that be? Go ahead. In the inquiry are the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, the Justice Department, the Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, and representatives of the Director of the National Intelligence. Are you telling Let's stop me right there. All those agencies were aware of this. And Obama wasn't? That's not possible. Go ahead. No, it was Mark, going on six go, agencies. As you hold go on, on, hold on, how are hold you? On. Okay, keep going. I'm not done. I need to make the case because the media seems to be confused about their own reporting. Well, let's Times. stop right here. We're we're going to pick it up at the New York Times, but I think this is very very important because it's coming together. It just is. I'll be right back. in. segments about a minute and a half unfortunately in order to finish that 
particular clip, we need two, two and a half minutes. So that's not going to work. But I hope you're following this with me and tracking this with me. Because there were lots and lots of leaks. We now know that Stroke and Page, at least, certainly suggested that they were doing a lot of leaking during the course uh, of the so-called counterintelligence collusion investigation. Uh, the reason people want to know more about the FISA warrant is because, ladies and gentlemen, this is a secret court. It's all done in secret. And if you have rogue FBI agents and a rogue director of the FBI, there can be enormous damage done to this republic. This is the sort of thing, you know, uh, you would find in other countries. Banana republics, the old Soviet Union, the new Russia, red China, all these places. Now, it used to be also that the Democrat Party is filled with civil libertarians who were more concerned about due process and civil liberties than they were power. That day is long gone. There are a few outliers like Dershowitz and so forth and Turley, but for the most part, that day is long gone. You won't find a single Democrat in the Senate or in the House who is upset about what we're learning about the FBI and the senior levels of the FBI. Matter of fact, you won't find many in the so-called mainstream big media either. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, the champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. Well, there are news reports now as I'm on the air. The president said uh, he is, quote, looking forward, unquote, if these reports are accurate, of course, to being interviewed by special counsel Robert Mueller. I would do it under oath, the president said, and I would love to do that as soon as possible. With all due respect, his lawyers should be fired. Unless they are strenuously discouraging him. These prosecutors are not seeking the truth. They're seeking Trump's destruction. They've made that abundantly clear. They push the envelope's edge when it comes to how prosecutors and investigators conduct themselves. He's hired a conga line of political activists and donors dressed up as prosecutors. His number one guy was at a Hillary Clinton victory party probably right near the Mitt Romney victory party. Very, very foolish, and I hope not fatal. All right, let's continue. We'll pick it up with the next piece of uh, media reporting that I uh, focused on, the New York Times. Go ahead. New York Times, another well-known liberal outlet, intercepted Russian communications part of inquiry into Trump associates January 19. The FBI is leading the investigations aided by the NSA, the CIA, Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Unit. The investigators have accelerated their efforts in recent weeks, but have found no exclusive, conclusive evidence of wrongdoing. Listen to this. One official said intelligence reports based on some of the wiretap communications have been provided to the White House. This is the New York Times, Another my right-wing exhibit outlet. four. Another right-wing outlet, Let's yeah. continue. <laughs> and by the yeah. way, to whom at the White House was it provided? 
To whom? And if it was provided to the White House, you can be damn sure Barack Obama knew about it. Go ahead. NSA gets more latitude to share intercepted communications. In the final days of the Obama administration, uh, the administration has expanded the power of the NSA to share globally intercepted personal communications with the government's 16 other intelligence agencies before applying privacy protections. Now, why would they do that? Why would they do that at the end of an administration as opposed to the prior eight years? Because they know the more they distribute it throughout the government, the more likely it is to be pushed out to the media. They also know at this time that there was a hell of a lot of unmasking taking place, as the great John Solomon has reported, a record amount of unmasking, that is, revealing the identities and the names of individuals who are caught up in this web of surveillance, say you're you're, uh, you're, you're wiretapping or surveilling the Russian ambassador and your name pops up. They call it incidental intelligence. And it's supposed to be under very rare occasions that those uh, names are revealed. In fact, they're supposed to be destroyed. Uh, and yet, not only were names revealed, they were leaked to the media, like Michael Flynn. Go ahead. Way out the door. Well, March 1, Exhibit 6, Obama administration rushed to preserve intelligence of Russian election hacking. In the Obama administration's last days, listen to this, some White House officials scrambled to spread information about Russian efforts to undermine the presidential election and about possible contacts between associates of President-elect Trump and Russians. Now stop there. So, so what does this tell us, these leaks to the New York Times? That White House officials were in on this. This is very, very important. As I pointed out, Almost a year ago, it tells us that White House officials were in on this. It also tells us that the President of the United States had to know about it. Don, that would be uh, Barack Obama. Go ahead. I'm not done. <laughs> Exhibit 7, New York Times. Flynn is said to have talked to Russians about sanctions. Trump took office. Well, where'd they get this information? Well, now, we Mark, know where you know, they got the information from was this incidental collection of information. Flynn was in a phone call, one, two, three, however many, with the Russian ambassador. His phones were being tapped or he was being surveilled. They collected the Flynn information. Then they leaked it to the New York Times. He was unmasked and the information was leaked. A felony, which is yet to be charged because they haven't found the leaker. Go ahead. They're always monitoring the... Uh the uh, Russian ambassador, and so how do we know that? Maybe they are, maybe they're not, but there's an awful lot of other activity. Sure. Here we have Washington Post, one more, Washington Post, March 2nd. U.S. investigators have examined contacts Attorney General Sessions had with Russian officials during the time he was advising Donald Trump's campaign. The focus of the U.S. counterintelligence investigation has been on communication between Trump campaign officials mm-hmm. and Russia. Listen to this. The inquiry involving Sessions is examining his contacts while serving as Trump's foreign policy advisor in the spring and summer of 2016. This has been going on for a year. Now, I'm back live here. Now, this information on Sessions was used to do what, ladies and gentlemen? It's innocent information. He didn't do anything wrong as a substantive matter. There's nothing there. To force his recusal on all matters Russian. That's what they did. 
two additional short clips just to round this out. Cut two. Go ahead. As you do on your yeah. radio program, you lay out a devastating case based on public documents, as you point out, and not right-wing uh, sources, but m- mainstream left-stream sources. How confident are you that this new this investigation, which was on Russian so-called Russian hacking, but now the White House says this morning will be broadened to looking into executive overreach? How confident well, are you clear. they will find something there? I don't know, but they already found something. The issue isn't whether the Obama administration spied on the Trump campaign or transition or certain of its surrogates. The issue is the extent of it. Mm-hmm. They went into court a second time. They were so aggressive. They waited four or five months. They go back in October, weeks before the general election. They narrow their request. All of a sudden, we have leaks coming out on Flynn. Then we have a oh, a horrible meeting that took place between Sessions and so forth. And I'm telling you, as a former chief of staff to an attorney general of the United States in the Reagan administration, these are police state tactics. Let me stop here. Brian Stelter in specific, but also at the Associated Press and others. But he in specific had a number of exchanges with me, in which he, of course, was attacking me and rejecting everything I was reporting that they had already reported, that is the media, elements of the media. And that includes this FISA warrant, this FISA court matter. And among other things, Stelter said, well, we don't know for sure that that actually took place. But we do now. He said, we don't know for sure. That's speculation. Jake Tapper took up for his colleague and said basically, well, you know, speculation isn't news. And, of course, my response is, well, it's been reported, maybe not by you guys. Why don't you go out and find, find something out about it? Well, we're working on it. We're working on it. See, it was great that something was leaked earlier because they wanted you to think, well, this guy, Trump, he's so, he's so uh, uh, dirtied up with the Russians and the Russian money and the collusion and the conspiracy. This is just a horrific propaganda campaign against him. And then I said, wait a minute. No, 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 that's not what this shows. This shows that police state tactics are being used against a candidate of the opposite party from the administration. This shows that leaking is taking place at the highest levels of the FBI against this candidate. That was my speculation. It turns out, I believe, to be true, including from Director Comey later on. That's what it shows. Go ahead. No. He knew everything I just read to you, part apart from one or two articles. You know how I know? It's in the newspapers. It's right there. So Barack Obama not only knew this, but he gets a daily intelligence briefing. And let me tell you something about daily intelligence briefings. If your attorney general and your FBI is going to the FISA court to get a warrant to investigate aspects of an opposition party in the middle of a general election campaign... How much you want to bet the President of the United States knew that? I don't want to Read bet his you opinion. on that. And he knew more. Because what now we know that information from uh, surveillance activities that took place was provided to White House staff. We know that from the New York Times. Now, this is almost a year ago. One more. Cut three. Go. How does this play out uh, in the media? How are they going to continue to cover this story? Let me first say, this is the case made by the New York Times, the Washington Post, McClatchy, and the rest of them. I just put it together as a former Justice Department official. And, a, and, and Donald Trump here is being attacked for what he tweeted. Donald Trump is the victim. His campaign is the victim. His transition team is the victim. His surrogates are the victim. 
These are police state tactics. I am telling you this as a former chief of staff to an attorney general. If this had been done to Barack Obama, all hell would break loose. And it should. And Barack Obama's statement is pathetic. Mark. I, we, uh, uh, let me just say this. Where does it go from here? They ought to release both FISA court applications. Now, let me Where stop they, there. So early on, not only did I hone in on the FISA court, but I honed in on the applicant. But I'm not doing this to pat myself on the back. I know many people. I'm doing this to close the circle on the information that's coming out today, the information that came out yesterday, the information that came out next week, the information that's going to come out tomorrow. That you can trust this program, you can trust me behind this microphone, that I'm going to do more than come here and do a song and dance for you and load up the show with a thousand guests. Go ahead. In the summer and the one in October, so we know exactly what they were doing. That's number one. Number two, Congress needs to see the daily presidential intelligence briefings over the past year or so. Those are the beginnings of an, a serious investigation. Number three, for the Republicans in Congress, you control the majority. If the Democrats do not want to assist, and they won't, because I'm starting to think Chuck Schumer and the others are participating in all this cover-up activity, then plow ahead without them. But this is important to the country. We cannot have a sitting presidential administration unleashing six federal agencies, intelligence and law enforcement. I don't mean the president personally sitting there and saying, you know what, Valerie, let's go get him. Obviously, the attorney general and the FBI were involved in this. This is how you get a FISA court application prepared and submitted. Do you, think, do you, think, uh, do you think former yeah. President Obama was involved in this? And if so, how much was he involved? I'm not Nostradamus here. I just think <laughs> that we ought to find out. But I, but I will tell you this. He's more involved than he says. I mean, it's his executive branch. It's his Justice Department. Mine's right. been the IRS. All of a sudden, the IRS is, is targeting American citizens. I don't know anything about it. Uh, we have reporters, including James Rose and the AP, where, where the Obama administration did more investigations of reporters than any administration in American history. They're quite capable of these things. But it doesn't matter. We want to know what took place. And there ought to be public hearings on this stuff, too. I agree with the Democrats. Let's get to the bottom of this. So join me. Join us. This is the public record. Yeah. It's the newspaper of record, the New York Times. Let's go. The reaction to all this was, you may recall, a week's worth of firestorm. The major television networks, the cable stations, the Associated Press, Reuters, the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, all the rest. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe you cannot stop time, but you can definitely watch those saggy, droopy eyelids disappear with Chamonix's brand new Genesel eyelid treatment. Here's Michelle from Modesto, California. I love your new Genesel eyelid treatment. It really did a great job lifting and firming my droopy eyelids. Bravo, Chamonix, for this innovative and much-needed product. Now, you can read Michelle's full review and many more on Genesel.com. For a limited time, the brand new Genesaw Eye Lift is yours absolutely free when you order Genesaw for bags and puffiness under the eye. And for results in 12 hours, the Genesaw Immediate Effects is also free with your order. 
You can go to Genesel.com now for extra savings coupons. Or better yet, call their toll-free number, 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. And for the first time ever, Chamonix is offering free three-day shipping and free returns on all Genesel.com orders. For a new year without bags, puffiness, or droopy eyelids, go to Genesel.com now or call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. That's 800-SKIN-604. All right, we'll wrap it up this hour. But not before we run the montage of how unseriously the media took this. And then in comes the, the nighttime comics. They all think it's a joke. The Praetorian Guard media wanted none of this. They thought it was great when the leaks were coming in. Then when somebody put it together and said, whoa, 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 what the hell's going on here? Then they reversed course. And this is what they do. Cut four, Go. White House officials say that the president's sources were various conservative outlets, most prominently perhaps radio host Mark Levin, who seemed to take three basic chunks of information and combine them into one conspiracy theory of what he calls a silent coup. And on the conservative Breitbart website, which Friday highlighted a conspiracy-loving radio talk show host, Mark Levin. Now, the story asserted that Obama has been trying to undermine Trump at every turn. As you can see from the headline, it was inspired by a Thursday night radio segment by conservative talk show host Mark Levin. Apparently, uh, this idea came from right-wing radio host and unlicensed gynecologist Mark Levin, who ranted about these wiretaps on his radio show. That show was then written up by Breitbart as Mark Levin to Congress investigate Obama's silent coup versus Trump. What does the White House gain by the president, of the, by Steve Bannon most likely handing the president of the United States a, a Breitbart, Breitbart article and, and, and talking about what a rabid right-wing talk show host uh, has been theorizing. Start with uh, firebrand conservative radio host Mark Levin. Uh, briefly, for people who don't know, who is he? He's uh, got quite a following and he's not just a conservative figure but often espousing relatively radical positions about the need to uh, reinvent the Constitution and the government and ways in which we think about society. The notion that Mark Levin is a news outlet. It's just not the New York Times. It's not the Washington Post. It's not the Wall Street Journal. It's not the L.A. Times. It's not a major news network. It's Mark Levin, a guy who... I know what talk radio guys do. Left and right, mostly and right. They rile people up with outrageous charges, and nobody keeps count of them. Here's the President of the United States getting his information from these people. Evidence for suggesting President Obama has committed a crime seems pretty thin. The detailed speculation from a conspiracy-loving talk show host, Mark Levin. Okay, I think we can now officially declare that Trump has a worse media diet than the son of Sam Killer. And he got all his news from a talking dog who told him to murder. You see, um, you see how, how the media and the culture, in so many respects, are one and the same? They could care less if the senior level of the FBI went to the FISA court with information that was produced uh, by the Hillary Clinton and DNC campaigns uh, paying for this dossier. They could care less. They could care less that the Obama administration was unmasking American citizens and leaking at least one of their names to the media. They could care less that the top 
FBI counterintelligence agent was a Trump hater and a Hillary lover. They could care less about these things. As a matter of fact, they're glad. This is important. You really need to keep it in mind as we go forward on this stuff. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. First of all, it's been all over the news, so... Let me chime in. I understand Senator Duckworth, who's a war hero. She's not my cup of tea when it comes to her politics. She's quite the leftist, but she is a war hero. Um, She lost both of her legs in combat in a helicopter crash. And she deserves our deepest respect. Doesn't mean you have to vote for her if you disagree with her on politics, because you're in the Senate. It's not the House of Lords, at least not yet. You're in the Senate because of your positions. But it's being reported that she is pregnant. She's 49 years old. She will deliver when she's 50, making her, I understand, the first senator to be pregnant while in office. And I want to congratulate her. I think it's a wonderful thing. She's carrying, I'm sure, a beautiful baby, boy or girl, And when she turns 50, she will deliver that beautiful baby. But here's what I don't get. Some of her colleagues are congratulating her on her pregnancy. Some of them are left-wing Democrats. Now, if you support abortion on demand... What exactly are you saying? Are you saying that, in fact, she's carrying a little baby? Because apparently she's five months pregnant, give or take. Are you saying she's just carrying a fetus that's not a baby? Are you saying it's just tissue and muscle and not a human? What are you saying exactly? Congratulations for what? If you're an extremist 
pro-abort senator, congressman, individual. It really is perplexing to me. Congratulation on what? If that's who you are and that's your mindset. See, you can't get away with just saying, well, it's a choice. Got it. But it's a choice to do what? To do what? The illogic and irrationality of the left on this issue, of the pro-abortion extremists, is really astounding, if you think about it. And of course, Senator Duckworth deserves uh, all the support that her colleagues can muster as she goes through her pregnancy. She's older, which could make it difficult and so forth. And as I say, she, uh, she lost both of her legs. But if you're a left-wing, Democrat, liberal senator who believes in abortion on demand, and if you do not believe that a pregnant woman is carrying an actual human baby, but something else, then what are you congratulating her for in terms of her pregnancy, unless she's carrying a baby? You see, when you follow the left, you really do have to park your brain because it makes no sense. Now, the President of the United States said, as I mentioned to you before the break, uh, that he's prepared to talk to the uh, to Mueller and his hoods, I mean, and his uh, staff, and he'd do it under oath. He has nothing to hide and so forth. It's not a matter of having nothing to hide. It's... It's a matter of them twisting your words and trying to use them against you. And you can see that this is being pushed and pushed and pushed that the President of the United States, because he asked certain individuals questions, which are really harmless, because he fired certain individuals or relieved certain individuals of their duties, that you can, they're trying to concoct obstruction. Richard Blumenthal is on TV endlessly. This man lied to the people of Connecticut, and apparently the majority of the people of Connecticut don't mind being lied to. He lied to the people of Connecticut to get elected when he said he was a Vietnam combat veteran. The man has never set foot in Vietnam. Here's what he said on Capitol Hill today about Donald Trump and obstruction. Cut five, go. There is now a credible case of obstruction of justice against Donald Trump. And the questions to then acting director McCabe are just additional evidence that the president wanted to demand political loyalty and inquire and put pressure on the acting director of the FBI. How? First of all, ladies and gentlemen, if you're asking the acting director of the FBI who we voted for, that's not obstruction of justice. It's not evidence of anything. First of all, Trump says, I don't remember doing that, but if I did, I don't understand. What's the big deal? He didn't say to McCabe, I'm directing you not to investigate this. In fact, McCabe, you may recall, testified at one point that they had as much resources as they needed. Even if he had said that, it's not obstruction for the president to do that. But you know what? I don't even need to go there. The point is he didn't. 
He didn't. And yet for Richard Blumenthal, it doesn't matter. That's why the the texts that are coming out don't matter to this guy. That's why he doesn't care about how the FISA warrants were secured. It doesn't matter to him. He doesn't care about Russian collusion with the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC through her surrogates to get that smear job dossier in the hands of the FBI and so forth, in the hands of the media. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. They're not interested in the rule of law. They're not interested in real obstruction. They're not interested in collusion of any kind. Then there's a guy, Jim Hines, also from Connecticut, and he's on The Morning Joe, and this program now has become the freak show of freak shows. Any left-wing kook, preferably if they've sexually harassed somebody or they've plagiarized, is welcome on the program. But anyway, here's this guy, Jim Hines, Democratic Connecticut, on the morning schmo. Cut six, go. So let's just assume hypothetically everything we've read and heard, not uh, not just today, but in past days about Comey, about this, about that, turns out to be true. Let's just say it's true that he did say to Comey, take it easy on Flynn, that he did ask a cable who he voted for, all the stuff. What is the remedy for that in your mind? What is the appropriate remedy? Well, if there was obstruction, and again... Well, I'm asking you, is that obstruction? Yeah. And if so, what do you do about it? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm on the committee that's investigating and asking this question, so I'm not going to sit here today and say there was clearly obstruction. There is certainly evidence of meddling that points in the direction of possible obstruction. Oh, now listen to those weasels. Well, that is meddling that points in the direction of possible obstruction. So saying take it easy on Flynn is obstruction of justice? How so? How so? Go ahead. If there is a case to be made uh, about obstruction, remember, that was one of the articles impeachment of impeachment against Richard Nixon. Well, there you go, you see, because he's Richard Nixon, apparently. Go ahead. We judge the outcome, but if the president engaged in, in an attempt to obstruct this investigation around the most severe attack we've had on our democracy in a long time, uh, that's a very, very serious Actually, the most severe attack we've had on our democracy in a long, long time. Uh, was paid for by the Clinton campaign and the DNC, laundered through Mark Elias and his law firm into Fusion GPS, which further laundered it with an ex-British spy who then went and got information, quote-unquote, from the Kremlin. Now, if Stephen Ratner was asking really effective questions of Mr. Himes, he would say, Well, let's talk about obstruction of justice. What about the leaks that occur out of the top levels of the FBI? What about these texts that suggest that, among other things, these people were leaking, that they had an insurance policy, that there's some kind of a secret uh, uh, FBI ring out there? And uh, what about the changing of of the memo, of the talking points, if you will, for Director Comey two months before... Uh, he even gave his uh, preposterous press conference on Hillary Clinton. What about the meeting with Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton on the tarmac, which we now know was intended for Lynch to tip off Bill Clinton, that his wife was in the clear even before it was announced? What about Jim Comey and his leaking? There's lots here that it's pointing towards obstruction, ladies and gentlemen. But they're pointing in the wrong direction, aren't they?
I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right, we now have the audio, uh, pretty much not too long ago, of the press gaggle. Uh, questioning the president on whether or not he would make himself available to Robert Mueller for an investigation. Go ahead. Are you, are you going to talk to Mueller? I'm looking forward to it, actually. You want to? You have a date yeah, here's the start, just you so you understand. There's been no collusion whatsoever. There's no obstruction whatsoever. And I'm looking forward to it. I do worry when I look at all of the things that you people don't report about with what's happening. If you take a look at, you know, the five months worth of missing texts. That's a lot of missing texts. And as I said yesterday, that's prime time. So you do sort of look at that and say what's going on. Uh, you do look at certain texts where they talk about insurance policies or insurance, where they say the kinds of things they're saying. You've got to be concerned. But I would love to do that, and I'd like to do it as soon as possible. Well, what will you luck, everybody. Do you have a date yeah, set? So here's the story. Do you have a date set? Uh, I don't know. No, I think yes, they're talking about two or three weeks, but I would love to do it. Would you In person. You know, again, it's, I have to say, subject to my lawyers and all of that, but I would love would to do it. Do you do it under oath, Mr. President? Now, let's, let's stop for a minute. See how they're goading him. See how they're pressing him. See how they want to set him up. They would love nothing more than to see this guy hanging from his feet at a telephone pole like Mussolini. I'm quite serious about this. They get a big chuckle at it, particularly uh, Steve Colbert. Colbert, Colbert, whatever. Go ahead. I said that. Oh. I said that. Oh. Did you do it under oath? Uh, oh, you said it. You did say it. You say a lot. Did Hillary do it under oath? I have no idea what I'm going to ask. I think you have an idea. Don't do you, you have an idea? Do you think wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Do you not have an idea? Uh, you really not have an idea? I'll give you an idea. She didn't do it under oath. But I would do it under oath. Listen, but I would do it. And you know she didn't do it under oath, right? She did not do it under oath. Um, she was a couple hours. It was on July 4th weekend. Uh, in fact, there was no transcription of any kind. Well, this should tell you a lot. But... Uh, I did like he said, well, it depends on what his lawyers have to say in the end, because I think that's important. I really do. I'm going to take a few phone calls, and we're going to move into the area of immigration. Because it looks like the Democrats want to shut down the government again, to the extent it's shut down at all. But you get the play. You understand. Let's go to Eddie. Mevin, North Carolina, the Mark Levin app. Go. How you doing, Mr. Levin? All right, sir. Thank you. You are the only person I can ask this question to. Um, Robert Mueller cannot prove obstruction. Excuse me. He cannot prove any kind of Russian collusion. So he's trying to prove obstruction. But if he can't prove, if he can't prove that there was a crime, what is there to obstruct? I don't understand. Well, let me tell you how dangerous this is. Well, there are these procedural crimes, these so-called process crimes. That is. Uh, it's a crime in and of itself if you obstruct. It's a crime in and of itself if you per commit perjury. It's a crime in and of itself if you make a false statement to a federal investigator, these sorts of things. But I'll tell you why, Eddie, this is even more dangerous. This is even more dangerous because if you're Robert Mueller, the media are sitting collectively on the edge of their seat. 
and the Democrats are sitting collectively on the edge of their seat, and many Republicans are, I hate to say, waiting for Robert Mueller to hand down an opinion from on high. Not even charges, necessarily. An opinion filled with a bunch of footnotes and so forth and so on, a one-sided prosecutor's brief by extremely aggressive and politically partisan prosecutors using the phrase obstruction of justice. So they can make this circumstantial case, put aside the Constitution right now, even put aside any statutory obstruction issue. They can try and make the case, wrap it up in footnotes and testimony, and say that the President of the United States tried to derail, tried to obstruct, tried to intimidate, and the left, Democrat, Republican media, they will be off to the races. Off to the races. Even though they can't prove any crime ever. I've just explained it to you, sir. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. Martha Stewart went to prison. There was no underlying crime. They couldn't prove a damn thing, but they accused her of a false statement uh, to investigators. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. All right, sir. Thank you very much. Michael, Los Angeles, California, Sirius Satellite. Go. Yeah, Mark, it was just fascinating listening to that tape of you, just how right you were a year ago. <laughs> but something caught my attention. Well, well let, me, let me just say something. About, I, I'm not doing that again to pat myself on the head. But I do find it fascinating that people on TV and radio say, as I said last year, or, you know, or as I meant, or uh, as I always say, well, let's hear it. But something caught my attention. The first uh, New York Times piece that you quoted to bolster your argument that Stroke was the one who leaked everything, but Keith quoted... Uh, I didn't say he leaked everything, and I'm not sure he did, but what's interesting is two sources with knowledge about the investigation. You look at the texts. If you're an investigator, that's an excellent lead. Go ahead. Well, not just that, but the first piece specifically quoted an anonymous source close to the counterintelligence investigation. Yes. And Peter Stroke was the uh, deputy head of the counterintelligence unit at the FBI. Correct. So that and was remember... And remember the texts, Michael. They're sitting on the edge of their seat waiting for these reports to come out, and they hope they're not too detailed so they don't get burned. Exactly, exactly. Keep it up, Mark. All right, thanks, Michael. Let's continue. Jim, Sioux City, Iowa, Sirius Satellite, go. Evening. Uh, Evening. I want to start off with a question. When are we actually going to get to see some people actually be arrested? I mean, through the last three years, we have plenty of examples where people, you know, of crimes actually. What is your next question? Not seen anything. My next question? How how would I possibly know? Because you actually get time to. How would I possibly know when people are going to get arrested? Whether I have time or not on my hands. All right. Trust in your judgment. My judgment for what? When people. Okay, I think somebody's going to be arrested in about three and a half weeks. I have no idea. That. All right, sir, thank you. Remember, here's the deal on the calls. Don't ask questions that you know I can't possibly know the answer to. I'm not talking about intellectually rigorous questions. I'm saying, when is somebody going to get arrested? When is somebody going to be indicted? When will somebody go to jail? How in the hell do I know? I don't have the foggiest idea. Just being honest with you, I'll be right back. 
Club in the most popular conservative author in America. Call in to the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. You know, a fresh new year has begun, and if you're setting new goals for your business, it's extremely difficult to reach them without the right people on your team. And ZipRecruiter has transformed how you go about finding them. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. That's ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to meet the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, you, my listeners, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. One more time so you can try it for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. This just uh, passed my desk here. The Daily Mail. John Kerry tells Mahmoud Abbas Ally, that is the terrorist that runs uh, Fatah, that he might run for president in 2020, and he urges Palestinians, quote, play for time and not give in to Trump. Now, here we have a guy that's undermining American foreign policy. Kerry is undermining American foreign policy as a failed former Secretary of State that gave the Iranian regime virtually everything it wanted, that did nothing to address North Korea, that would not defeat ISIS. We could, but they wouldn't. Now, undermining the sitting president of the United States and his foreign policy team. He urged Palestinians to play for time while Trump is president and said he could broker a separate peace deal with Israel. Lebanese academic who met with Kerry in London relayed the conversation back to the Palestinian Authority and an Israeli newspaper reported it. Kerry, 74, was the Democrat nominee for president in 2004. His attempted foreign policy could be seen as a violation of the Logan Act, writes the Daily Mail, which prohibits unauthorized citizens from conducting foreign policy. Now, isn't that a turn of events? Isn't that ironic? The left running around with the Logan Act, the Logan Act, the Logan Act, which hasn't been used once in American history. But it would seem John Kerry is conducting foreign policy, undermining the foreign policy of the United States. Gee, you think he violated the Logan Act? How about that, liberals? You want to call in and explain that to me? His comments came during a London discussion about the Middle East peace process with Hussein Aga, a Lebanese academic who is close to Abbas. Kerry, 74, said his advanced age wouldn't be an impediment to mounting another White House bid and urged Aga to tell Abbas, stay strong, play for the... It's not his age that would be impediment. It is his absolute stupidity that would be an impediment. The paper reported, the Israeli paper, that Kerry, quote, used derogatory terms and even worse to describe President Trump and said Abbas should focus on personally attacking the U.S. president rather than weighing in on his foreign policy decisions. 
Kerry told an audience at the World Economic Forum last year that Trump administration would last only a year or two years if he were to pull out of an Obama-brokered nuclear deal with Iran. So he's trash-talking the president to an Abbas ally, says he won't last more than a year or two if he pulls out of the Iran deal, and literally counsels Abbas through his surrogate to bide your time and attack the president, that is Trump, personally. This is why I despise the left, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the first hour I played my comments about pulling together what was out there in terms of uh, these police state tactics. They didn't want to really engage me, so they just trash you. They smear you. They attack you. I'm a big boy. I can handle it, but that's what they did. It was very, very disappointing to have about five of my buddies defend me, but that was about it. That's okay. And here they are trashing Trump personally, calling him names and so forth rather than engaging in a debate on these various topics. John Kerry has a lot to account for. He's not been held accountable. We've had now two reports at a Politico by Josh Meyer revealing some incredibly outrageous decisions by the Obama-Kerry decision makers here when it came to Iran which has empowered Iran, which will ensure Iran gets ICBMs and nuclear warheads aimed at our cities, aimed at our towns, aimed at our families. And there they are, trying to undermine a sitting president of the United States with a friend of a terrorist, Abbas being a terrorist. It's incredible. Graham, Durbin, and Dhaka. Rich Lowry over there at National View Online, he has it exactly right. We're not talking about 700,000 or 800,000 young people brought here, you know, against their own will or without their consent by their parents. To a country that is unjust, to a country that believes in white privilege, to a country where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, to a horrific country like the United States, from some fabulous utopia like Haiti, or Venezuela, or North Korea, or wherever, Syria. Now, we're not talking about that. He points out that we're talking about 3.2 million. I also cited the USA Today article last week. They were talking about 3.6 million dreamers. Oh, yes, the dreamers. They're all dreaming. And again, he points out, let's say they bring two people, three people over. And notice the language has changed now from Schumer and Durbin. Little Dick, Durbin and Schumer. They don't just want legalization for these seven, 800,000 uh, DACA aliens. They're talking about a pathway to citizenship for all the dreamers. The better number, I think, is 3.6 million. A pathway to citizenship. Voting, chain migration, millions and millions of more people coming into the country because individuals who came here illegally are granted citizenship and then they can bring family members into the country. 
And here we go again. And we're talking about enormous numbers of people. Would the Democrats be doing this if they were voting overwhelmingly Republican? We've talked about this. I've laid that marker down over the years. The answer is no. Let me ask you another question. When you listen to the vile nature of this debate, when you listen to the Democrats bring up race at every turn, if we were talking about bringing in millions and millions of people into this country from Eastern Europe, as an example, would the Democrats say no because of white privilege, it's not fair? What would they say? What would they say? You see, when you racialize an issue, it becomes more difficult to discuss. And if you discuss it, you know, you have to walk on eggshells, I suppose. But I'm asking a a very serious question. The left uses race. So they say, you out there, you don't want more people coming into this country. Whatever your race is, you American citizen, you don't want more people coming into this country because they're more likely brown. Excuse me? Who talked? Who said anything about brown? Well, it must be because blah, blah, blah. that's where they come from. That is the left. That's their mindset. But if we were to bring more people into this country who are more likely white, what would the Democrats say then? I'm quite curious. It's never asked of them, and it never will be, I suppose, other than by me. They racialize these issues. So you can't have an honest debate about immigration, legal, illegal, visa violators, so forth and so on. Not allowed to have it. Can't use the phrase chain migration because uh, for Dick Durbin, who is uh, one of the whitest guys in the Senate, among one of the shortest guys in the Senate, assuming he is a guy, I don't know what he self-identifies as, but I believe uh, biologically... Uh, he would be considered as such. I'm not sure what bathroom he uses, nor am I sure what Jimmy uses. But again, that is an Obama-type Department of Education question. I'll move it off the table. But Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is all for this. And I'm going to tell you one of the reasons Lindsey Graham is all for this. He is stupid. He is as stupid as they come. He truly is a dumb guy. He's a dumb guy. I've told this story before. When he's a member of the House of Representatives from South Carolina, and the, he was sitting on the House Judiciary Committee, and they were taking up the issue of impeachment. He fought tooth and nail, he even went to the floor of the House, arguing against having one of the charges against Bill Clinton being the fact that he lied during his deposition, and actually obstructed justice. While a federal judge, Susan Weber Wright, a federal district judge, flew into Washington, D.C., from Little Rock, Arkansas, where she was chief judge, to oversee the deposition to ensure that the president wasn't abused during the deposition process. He lied in front of that judge. He lied to her face. Lindsey Graham said, no, 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 that should not be one of the impeachment charges. So he persuaded enough of his fellow Republicans in the House to drop it. And back then I said, 
what a fool. This is the strongest charge they have. It's the strongest one. Because he's trying to fix a court case, in essence, and he's lying in front of a federal judge. When all this was over, the impeachment charges were brought, the Senate failed to do its job, didn't have a serious trial at all. Because that's what Republicans do. Uh, they're in a uh, perpetual fetal position. May I say fetal, Mr. Producer? Uh, but in any event, Susan Weber White, right, the federal district judge, the chief judge there in Little Rock, Arkansas, she came back and she issued an opinion. And I must admit that opinion was instigated by a filing from Landmark Legal Foundation, something called a judicial notice. Most lawyers out there don't know what it is, but we did, and we filed it long before the impeachment trial, saying that, Judge, here are the facts. Mr. Clinton lied to you. He lied in front of you. He obstructed. Uh, He perjured himself. He suborned perjury right in front of you. He admitted it. Well, he didn't admit it. He just proved it. And you should hold him in contempt. Well, she issued an opinion and she did hold him in contempt. You know why she held him in contempt? For the very reasons I said. She held him in contempt. In contempt of the court. Because he lied during his deposition. The very charge Lindsey Graham objected to, argued against, persuaded his fellow Republicans not to include in the list of impeachment issues. Well, the point of the story is, Lindsey Graham is a very, very stupid guy. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Free subscription to Imprimus? If not, here's your chance to join a community of 3.7 million conservative Americans who read Imprimus every month. And as always, it's absolutely free. As part of Hillsdale College's efforts to help all Americans pursue truth and defend liberty. And you can subscribe right now for absolutely no charge. Not now, not ever. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now, my site features the Imprimus edition by my friend, Dr. Larry Arn. He's the president of Hillsdale and the world's leading scholar on Winston Churchill. And Dr. Arn shares three key lessons we can all learn from Churchill. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. Now, Dr. Arn tells the inspiring story about Churchill's courage and what you and your children can learn from him about making wise choices. This terrific piece appears only in Imprimus the free monthly speech digest from Hillsdale College. Imprimus is one of the most widely read publications in the nation, with a larger circulation than the New York Slimes and the Wall Street Journal. It features the very best in conservative thought from heroes of the cause. You should read this inspiring edition. Start receiving Imprimus free every month. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Dr. Larry Arn, you've heard me talk to him for, about him for many, many years. He's exactly the kind of guest I'd like to have on my new Fox show. 
he knows more about Winston Churchill than any living person on the planet. And he'll explain why, and I'll explain why. And he's an expert on the Declaration of Independence. And he's he's quite a uh, he's he's quite a personality. He's got quite a character, and he uh, and he comes across extraordinarily well. And I just think that sort of interview would be absolutely compelling. I've got a number of other ideas. Uh, that Fox and I are working on in terms of uh, guests on the program. I do not want it to be a program where we just have a conga line of guests. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, I don't want it to be a program where it's just discussing the issue of the day, although that may be incorporated into it. But I want us to talk to some very, very interesting people, not even because they're necessarily flashy, but because... They have an enormous influence on society, and you may not even know who they are. Or they may have an enormous influence on society down the road. Or maybe they should have an enormous impact on society. People from all walks of life, economists, historians, philosophers, uh, some individuals from Hollywood, I don't want to overdo it, some other individuals you're familiar with who are fascinating. You want to know what makes them tick? But like my radio show, I want you to go away after watching the show that you enjoyed it, that you learned a lot from it, and that it was worth your time. And you'll talk to your family and your friends about it. So that's the intention. At 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the Fox News Channel, believe we launched the last Sunday in February. And that would mean 7 p.m. out there in the West on Sundays and all other kinds of times all over the country and all over the world. And one of the things I noticed when I was in Israel, the Fox News channels carried in Israel. So we will be there. Let's see, 10 p.m. in the United States is 5 in the morning in Israel. Well, I don't know if anybody will be watching us there, but you never know. You never know. As we get closer and closer to it, I will explain and discuss it with you more and more. Very excited about it, and I hope you are too. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I don't normally do this, but this call intrigues me. So I'm going to start this hour with a call. Like I said, it's very rare, but here we go. Tommy, San Francisco, the great KSFO, says here you're retired FBI. Correct. Go right ahead, my friend. Retired Marine, Vietnam. God bless you. Student athlete, Seton Hall University. All right. Ranked top 25. Anyhow. Yes. Uh my call to you is, number one, keep rooting you on. You're on the right track, believe me. Most right. of my time was at the lower levels of the Bureau. 
Mm-hmm. I got out of Vietnam, and Hoover said, Clark, we need you to get these people off the street. I no sooner passed through Quantico. You know Quantico. That's mm-hmm. where the Marine training is for me, for officers. Then mm-hmm. I went back there again as an agent. I get sent to the street, originally Jacksonville. Then I come up to WFO. I'm on the bank robbery squad. I do the street mm-hmm. stuff, okay? Really? Let me just, everybody, that's the Washington Field Office. Go ahead. Yes, sir, Washington Field. In fact, we were in the same building that he has his hotel in now, he meaning the President of the United States. The old post office building. There go you ahead. go. Very good. You know the place pretty well. Uh, and Anyhow. I know the FBI pretty well, too. Yes, I know that, sir. I hear you all the time. Yeah. In any event, I've been tracking things in the Bureau for 45 years at the lower levels and in sort of up to the higher levels because I finished up as a regional inspector general on the West Coast. Did mm-hmm. okay, loved the Bureau, did everything mm-hmm. for me, four younger mm-hmm. brothers, my own man was a fireman. All right, all right, all right, all right. Go, go yeah. for the kill. Go ahead. In terms of what you're talking about, there's a definite group at the higher levels in that outfit. Don't know names, and I'm not going to say any names. But there is this attitude, and they kind of operate however they operate. If they, in fact, meet off premises like has been related today, it's probably over at Zimmerman's old uh, restaurant. The Redskin quarterback was the story that I heard, okay? As to how organized it is, I have no idea. But there's a decided group that kind of runs the show and calls the shots. Now, well, and, and Senator Ron Johnson, uh, he has been on TV, and he's made it clear that they have an informant uh, that is providing details about this group. Anyway, uh, Tommy, I want to thank you for your service. I want to thank you for calling. Much appreciated. Let's keep rolling. Nate, Knoxville, Tennessee, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Mark, you alluded to a minute ago. Thanks for taking my call. That Yes, sir. It's, near, it's nearly impossible it is impossible to have an intellectually honest discussion about immigration. Mm-hmm. We're called racists. We're called this. We're called that. The left uses over-the-top rhetoric, Mark. That's, that's what they do. We, we were told people would die as a result of net neutrality. We were told people would die as a result of tax reform. And my advice to the Republicans would be to, to just ignore this garbage, stop seeking the approval, and stop trying to appease the media, and just to the extent they can. What, what, what do you do about... Uh, miscreants and gadflies. What do, you, what do you do about a Lindsey Graham and a Flake and a Cory Gardner who, who, who water down these, the, uh, the, the principles, who side with the Democrats, who make it almost impossible to get anything done? See, this is a problem. Hello? Uh-oh. What did I do? Did we lose him? I guess we lost him. Anyway, it's a question for the country. We lost him. He was disconnected, unfortunately. Not by us. George, Potomac, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Mark, first, thanks for taking my call, and uh, thank you for your great show and all the information you provide to us. So, Thank you. Thank you. I have two, couple, uh, two quick observations and then my question. So first observation, I'm very pleased with how Trump is handling this member a week or two ago. Uh, he had that big live meeting with all the all the Congress critters, and we were all wondering if it was going to go waffly and soft, and uh, since then he's firmed up and been great. And I, and, and, I, and I think that's due in part 
not to the cheerleaders, but to people that said, no, 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 Mr. President, come back. We'll back you. Just come back. you got to stand firm against these people. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we got three weeks to go, and we're going to see what happens here. Go ahead. We will. Yeah, no. Uh, second observation, I don't know who uh, assigned senators to this working group, but they must be dumber than a box full of rocks. Because um, nothing with uh, with Tom, with um, Dick Durbin and uh, Jeff Flake on it is going to get passed by Trump. They need at least Tom Cotton, and maybe they could have one liberal senator like Rob Portman, for example. Um, and, and by, by the way, Lindsey Graham is insisting that Tom Cotton not participate. Did you know that? He's insisting one of his own know. colleagues not participate. I did not know that. That's terrible. Yeah, it's um, pathetic. That's ridiculous. But anyway, nothing with uh, nothing without conservative input is going to get passed. So if, if you can't have Cotton, you could have Purdue or somebody. I don't know. But um, anyway, my question. So Trump laid out his desires, his demands, his goals for this thing: um, ending the visa lottery, ending chain migration. Well, now that no, no, no. Now they say his his actual. Proposal is going to be put out in a day or a day or two or three. So he has made those points, but we're going to see, I guess, some more details very, very shortly. Yeah, and there was building the wall and whatever else. But one thing that wasn't on there was um, mandatory E-Verify, which has been part of conservative immigration policy goals for a long time. And I'm wondering why he didn't include it, because I think it's critical um, to deterring illegal immigration. You have to make it unattractive and costly. And risky to uh, for employers to hire illegal immigrants. And you have to discourage people from coming here. That is uh, uh, exactly right. But I can guarantee the U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism, uh, which is one of the biggest organizations that pushes for policies that undermine our border security, that undermine um, uh, employment in this country, although they pretend otherwise, and undermine our immigration policies, uh, they're going to hate very Oh, <laughs> so needless... Uh, you know, requirement on business. No, it's not. No, it's not. I agree with you. That's very, very critical. Well, we're going to find out soon enough. And I'm also curious to know what he plans to do with these uh, with these these DACA individuals. Uh, he's got to be very careful not to extreme to extend this all the way to Dreamers. But this is the problem, you see, because Durbin and Schumer now they're all talking about Dreamers. That's 3.6 million people, not 700,000 or 800,000. And they're talking about a pathway to citizenship now. So they're getting increasingly aggressive as they get increasingly frustrated. Well, I mean, that's how negotiations work. You start with your desires and then you meet in the middle. Ideally, that's how negotiations are supposed to work. So I don't blame them for saying, hey, here's what we'd ideally like to have and pushing for it. I blame um, them because we have 20 years of experience with them. They lie. So right. I have to strongly well, disagree with you. Ultimately, where we get to, I would be fine with some kind of legal residency for these 700,000 people. That's really, the, that's really the biggest chip we have, is giving that, if we get a lot of other conservatives. See, I think you're doing this the wrong way. I'm willing to give them, I'm not willing to give them a damn thing until they meet our demands, which were supposed to be in place decades ago. Right. Our demands are on the table. We have right. to stop, listen to me. We have to stop dealing from weakness and stop dealing from their agenda and start dealing from the pro-American nation-state, secure the border, follow the law agenda. All right, sir. Thank you for your call. Let us continue, shall we? Frank, White Plains, New York, the great WABC. Go. 
Hey, Mark. Uh, Mark, uh, what prompted me to call tonight was I heard the snippet of uh, all the uh, bashing that went on with your name, and I found it very offensive. Well, these are very offensive people who will sink to uh, to the lowest level possible to try and destroy people and character assassinate people. But the good thing is I'm able to fight back. I have a microphone. I, I uh, think it means you're doing everything right because they need to brand you. Right. As as somebody who should be discredited, that. But you're exactly doing. right. That was the goal. They're going to uh, try and brand you. And they were they were they were frantic about it. There was a frenzy, and uh, I have to tell you, in this business, there were very few people who stood up and uh, who stood with me. And now, of course, they're all running around talking about these very same issues that we were talking about back in March. But uh, a relative handful, really. But that's okay. You know, you realize it after a while. Frank, that was very nice of you to, to make this call. I appreciate it. May I lurch into new territory? Not uncharted, but almost. This is from the local affiliate CBS in Philadelphia. They write, do you remember the Let It Ride World Series better? Who won $14 million? I don't, but apparently others do. Well, that anonymous gambler, that same one, is planning on putting at least $10 million on the Eagles to beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 52, according to R.J. Bell. It would be the biggest sports bet in Las Vegas history. It appears the famous better will not take the 5.5 points and instead bet that the Eagles will win the game outright. What do you think about that, Mr. Producer? Seriously putting your absolute hate for anything that's not the Pittsburgh Steelers aside. He doesn't know the Patriots are powerful. Well, you're never going to be on ESPN, are you? we got to track down my man, uh, Stephen A. You want to see if you can track him down and get him on this week if he's available? I want to ask him about this. Now, he's, he's, you know, he's a New York guy, but he spent a lot of time in Philadelphia as a... Uh, Sports writer there, and of course he's on uh, first take. You know, I'll tell you what's interesting. I never used to watch first take. It's on from nine to eleven. What is it? A.M. in the morning where I live. But we put a TV up on the wall now, and I do these exercises with my man Justin. I do them from my heart, and my back, and so forth. And uh, I used to have the radio on. Now I don't. I put on. I know, it's weird, but I do. I put on first tape, because I want to watch Stephen A. Smith. Now, this guy, he's up at, what's his name, Max Kempleton or something or other? Kellerman? First of all, let me help Max out. You don't stare into the lens of the camera. In other words, you don't make I love to the camera. Act like a normal person, not like a stiff. That's number one. Number two, you're about the most predictable liberal there possibly is, so know your place. You're a foil. You know what a foil is? That's you. That's you. They would never, ever put a conservative like me on ESPN, period, to debate the athletes, to debate the sports. Never happened. Max is a foil, which is a good thing, because to be honest, Stephen A. doesn't need another guy sitting there. The other day he had this uh, Jalen Rose 
and Stephen A. Smith, then Jalen Rose. And I said, why don't you be quiet, quiet, Jalen Rose? Let Stephen A. speak. I'm quite serious. You don't even have to agree with the guy. I like his passion. And he's, yes, a friend of mine. I'll tell you how I first met him. I, I went to this talk seminar, and I don't go to many of them. But this is many years ago. What was it? Seven, eight, nine, ten? I don't know. And you know, I'm minding my own. But he came up to me. And he couldn't have been nicer. Said, I don't always agree with you. Which, of course, he doesn't. But he likes my passion. And I like his passion. I think we see a lot of that in each other. Anyway, back to this Max. What's his last name again? I can't even stand it. What? Kellerman. He used to be uh, a guy that knew something about boxing. Now he knows something about everything. Every sport, you name it, this guy knows everything. And they talk a lot of race on these shows. A lot of race. And there's rarely a conservative. So you'll have a liberal white guy, pretty much. Pretty much. I, I, I mean, again, I'm no expert on ESPN ESPN 2, ESPN 3, ESPN on and on and on and on. So I don't, I don't know all the hosts. I don't even want to know all the hosts. But uh, if they're serious about talking about race, you would think they want to talk about, talk with, you know, us on the talk radio side who talk about this stuff too. But anyway, uh, very interesting. I very much enjoy watching him. I'll be right back. Mark in. Mississippi, the great WJNT. Go. Hey, Mark. I've been listening to you for a long time, and I just wanted to compliment you and thank you for being one of the few people in the public sphere who, uh, you know, have a set of principles that don't change. Um, You've taught me a lot about that personally. Um, You know, constitutional principles are just a set of life principles that justify and rationalize your positions on things when you have a set of principles that don't change. It makes it easy to make judgments about things going on. And uh, you're one of the few people in the public sphere that uh, are like that, and I feel like that's something that our politicians could definitely take a lesson from. Well, you're very, very kind. And, uh, you know, Andrew, you're in Jackson, Mississippi, you're in that area. When I first started out in radio, believe it or not, I started in the, the biggest market in America, New York City. And when they started syndicating me, and I insisted that I also want to be syndicated in the South. I was told, you're not going to fly in the South. You're to New York. I said, well, that's a compliment, even though I'm born in Philadelphia. I'm a Philadelphian. But I do love New York, but I also I love Jackson, Mississippi. I love the whole country. What do you mean my show won't work in Jackson, Mississippi? And, of course, we get great ratings all over the South, the Deep South. But that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because my attitude was, it's not exactly your accent or what part of the country you're from. It's your ideas. It's your principles. It's your views. It's your approach, whether you're interesting, compelling, entertaining, passionate, all those things. And so... I want to compliment you and thank you. You proved me right that this show 
does work in Jackson, Mississippi, all over Mississippi, all over Alabama, all over Georgia. Conversely, all over New England. Because you know why, Andrew? I'm glad you pushed for that syndication down here because I've listened to a lot of radio programs and I've been off again, on again with some of them, but the one I've consistently stayed with is yours because, like I said, principles based. You don't you don't blow with the wind like politicians or radio hosts that are in it for ratings and whatever else. You're guided by a set of principles that don't change, and I just keep coming back to that. Well, you're very very kind, and it's my belief. Just to put an exclamation mark behind this, Jackson, Mississippi, New York City, wherever. Conservatives are conservatives. Patriots are patriots. People who revere the Constitution revere the Constitution. I don't care where they're born in this country, where they're raised in this country. We are, so many of us, united under the flag and under the principles of this country. That's what makes it so wonderful. And Andrew, I want to thank you very, very much. It's great to hear from you. Ladies and gentlemen, we only have, what, two segments left, a half hour left? And I'll see you in a minute. It's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. You know, just to show you how we, we always seem to get behind the eight ball when it comes to big issues. Why are we tying our national security, our homeland security, our right to borders as a nation state, our sovereignty, to amnesty in any way. I hear people say, you know, we should tie DACA to getting the wall, this, getting that. I mean, even people at the White House are talking like this. But look how far we've allowed them to control this debate. We ought to have a right as a citizenry to have our border secured. We have a right as a citizenry to say, no, people do not have a right to bring their family members over here just because they passed a law in 1965 over half a century ago. No, we don't believe in this diversity lottery system that Chuck Schumer put in place and that's being abused. And yes, employers in this country should... Make sure that in addition to following the thousand other left-wing rules that are in place, they follow one rule in particular. Make sure the people you hire belong here. So um, it's like we'll get the wall, and, and we fall for this all the time. Going all the way back to 1986. Okay, look, we'll have amnesty for 2.3 million people or whatever it was, uh, but we, we want to get the, the wall, you know, the, the border secured, fences, walls. Oh, sure, 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 sure. We'll get that done, says Congress. Get amnesty, nothing. You know, national security, national sovereignty, all these things, that, that, that's like the number one responsibility of the federal government. It's not on the table to be debated and negotiated. Do it, damn it! Secure the border. Immigration or no immigration. Immigration or no immigration. Secure the border. 
Now, what about the other 40 to 45 percent of the people who are illegally, who come through the front door? Wall or no wall, fence or no fence, drones or no drones. People who lie on their applications to come into this country under one of the visa applications and refuse to leave, even though those visa applications allow people to come here for a temporary and specific purpose. It's almost half. What are we negotiating on that for? We shouldn't be negotiating on that. This is really uh, quite a remarkable thing for a country to not want to retain its borders, its culture. It's incredible, really, that this is even a debate. But the more people who come here illegally, the more chain migration we have, the more difficult the politics becomes, you see. So you lose a state politically like California. You lose a state politically like New Jersey, other states too. And the politicians there, Democrat and Republican, who want to get reelected or want to get supported or what have you, are going to continue down this road. The demographics become impossible to counter. And the liberals know it. That's why you used to hear Obama saying, by, you know, by 2044, uh, we'll be, we won't be a majority white country anymore. I'm thinking to myself, who counts that? Who, who, what are you talking about? So now the immigration system is to ensure we're not a white majority country? Where's that written? Oh, boy. You know, you've heard me talk of the amazing shave I get from my Dollar Shave Club razor, especially when I use it with their Dr. Carver Shave Butter. Now, well, I'm here to tell you I'm never giving up my membership. In fact, I'm adding even more DSC, Dollar Shave Club products, to my daily routine. Dollar Shave Club makes products for your hair, face, skin, shower, everything you need. And you're going to feel a lot better, and you're going to look a lot better. In fact, it's an amazing feeling. And it's all their own original stuff. They only use the finest premium ingredients, and they deliver it to you just like they do their razors. That means no more annoying trips to the store, cruising up and down aisles, looking at shelf upon shelf, like, what the hell is that? What the hell do I do with it? I use Dollar Shave Club for almost everything. Razors, even body cleanser. DSC has you covered head to toe. And now's a great time to give Dollar Shave Club a try. Listen to this deal. You can get your first month of their best razor, along with travel-sized versions of shave butter and body cleanser, for just 5 bucks. $5. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. It's the DSC Starter Set. Get yours for only $5 exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. One more time. dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. And I'm telling you, you're going to love the razor. You're going to love the shaving cream. You're going to love it all. And it's so well-priced, and it comes right to your house. You're not even thinking about it, and it shows up. That's another great thing. And more and more, this is what I do. I want things delivered to my home where I don't have to go out into warehouse stores, walk the aisles, and so forth and so on. And time matters. So you get home, you open your mailbox, and there it is. Dollar Shave Club is terrific. 
That's dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. Uh, let's see. The Department of Justice tells Devin Nunes, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, that releasing the memo on alleged FICE abuses would be extraordinarily reckless. Now, that's hilarious. Since we've had leaking from the FBI of all kinds of things. So it only goes one way, I suppose. That is, if it harms Trump. If it informs the American people, no way. Well, why can't they release the memo with some very, very limited redactions? I mean, we need to get to the bottom of this now. That's the problem. It's, it's about more than Russia. It's about corruption in the very department through the FBI, which is saying, don't release the memo. And this is a memo created by the committee. By the committee. It's clear that they do not want us to know what happened with that FISA application and that FISA court. Well, just call it a Russia something, and then somebody will leak it. Then then, then we'll be able to read it. A Russia something. Let's go to Pamela, Laguna Beach, which is a beautiful area. Laguna Beach, California, the great 870 AM, the answer, KRLA. Go. Hello, Mark Levin. It's an honor to be speaking to the great one. Thank you. Please let me read I love your passion, too. Thank you. Thank you. So my point is, with the DACA kids, everyone loves to say the word... All right, let's stop. Let's stop. Let's stop. Most of them are not kids. They're in their 20s and 30s. Go ahead. So is there going to be any kind of vetting process for these people, whether they've committed a crime or not? Is there any kind of documentation going to be issued? Well, it's a very good question, isn't it? I have no idea, and neither does anybody else. The Democrats haven't made a proposal, and we haven't seen the administration's proposal either. In other words, your point is, just because you have the label DACA on your shirt, even if they cut a deal, doesn't mean you should stay automatically. It depends who you are. Absolutely. I think you're right. We've heard no talk about it from any of the politicians. No, we haven't. All they keep telling us is how everybody here illegally is noble, how they came against their will, how America sucks, how the countries they come for are uh, are magnificent, and on and on and on and on. And they say, oh, they'll be going to college. Maybe almost none of them go to college. Are they working? Are they going to be on welfare? Well, they're going to college and they're doing jobs Americans won't do at the same time. Sure. It's an amazing thing. All right, Pamela, thank you. Enjoy your town, Laguna Beach. I really do like that town. My daughter was married there. And uh, some excellent restaurants there, too. But it's that beach in the ocean, just beautiful. Why am I rambling like this? Jay! No, we're not going. Boris! Elmwood, New Jersey, the great WABC. Boris, go. Hi, Mr. Levin. How are you? All right. Thank you. Thank you very much for taking my call. My question is, uh, when Obama was in power and he had a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate, they couldn't pass amnesty. And that was one of the reasons that uh, he lost the House and the Senate. But because of that, he passed DACA. Hold on. Hold on. No, no, no. The facts are this. When the Democrats controlled the House and the Senate, he did nothing. Okay. And then when they lost, uh, he, by executive fiat, put in place this DACA. 
They didn't That's do anything. Correct. But then my question would be, why is the Republican administration with the Republican House and with the Republican Senate willing to make a deal on DACA? When- I don't know. I, I think it's a very good question you ask. And and it, it, it seems to me, we've we, in many respects, we've already lost this debate because everybody says we have to do something with DACA. We have to do something with DACA. And your point is, why? Obama created this. Yeah. Why, why do we have? Why, why do we have to accept DACA? Why do we have to accept Obamacare? Why do we enshrine the left's worst ideas and most unconstitutional acts? I agree with you a hundred percent. And as I said earlier, uh, linking up to your point, I mean, securing the border, keeping the nation safe. Uh, if all kinds of Albert Einsteins want to come across the border, or all kinds of billionaires want to come across the border, they get in line with everybody else. I'm just pointing out that that's the way the process is supposed to work. But the process doesn't work because they don't want it to work. How come it worked for me, sir? I'm an immigrant. I came here legally. I got my citizenship through my parents, and I got educated here. And we were never illegal. Exactly. Well, there's many people like that. I mean, there's a wonderful lady who uh, who's who's helped us here for over a decade. And uh, she's from El Salvador. Her husband's from Honduras. They're here legally. There's a wonderful lady who's almost like a member of our family. She came here legally. She's from Haiti. And so this isn't about uh, people of color or anything of the sort. If people are here legally under federal immigration laws, then they are welcome. They're part of your family. They work with you. You work with them. That's all great. We're not even talking about that. We're talking about people who are here illegally, and now we're being blackmailed politically, which is this. Either we give them legal status, and now they're saying a pathway to citizenship, and not just DACA, all these so-called dreamers, or we're not going to secure the border. Have you ever heard anything so insane Never, never in my life I heard something so insane uh, for securing this country versus giving embassy. Those should not even be part of the same bill. Exactly. Yeah, the Army Corps of Engineers can go in there and secure that border, no problem. Why doesn't he send them? You have a military. That well, he can't. He can't. He can't do it on his own. Well, you know. I pointed this out during the campaign when Mexico's going to build it. Mexico's not going to build it. I said Schumer would block the appropriations. And what nobody's saying during the Republican primaries is how we're going to get this done. And that's exactly where we are. What about the military? You can't well, you can't military? just send the military there. to. There are, there's a law, posse comitatus. You can't just use the military on domestic matters, law enforcement, and so forth, which is also a good thing. That's not their role. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. Excellent call. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Trivia, what British-styled shirts have I been raving about, really, for more than a year, two years, I guess? Now, you know this one. I wear them on TV and to meetings and to social events. They're literally my favorite dress and business casual shirts. Now, if you said CT shirts, you're right. 
And my friends at CT Shirts tell me I have the best dressed listeners in America. That's because so many of you guys purchase more CT Shirts than any other radio program. Does that include you? Well, if it doesn't, don't be held back. Now's the time to jump in. CT Shirts are British styled using the softest, most exquisite fabrics ever. Worker casual, tie or no tie, tucked or untucked. When you're wearing a CT shirt, you look great and you know it. And let me help you get started. One CT shirt normally costs a hundred bucks, right? We've talked about this. But you'll get three shirts for just $99. That's 60% off. And CT shirts, listen to this, come with free delivery, a six month quality guarantee, and free returns. Nobody else is going to do that. That I can assure you. If you hurry, 99 bucks gets you three amazing CT shirts. Here's what you do. Go to ctshirts.com slash Levin. It's that simple. ctshirts.com slash L-E-V-I-N. That's ctshirts.com slash Levin. You're really going to enjoy these shirts. They're really soft. I do not like dress shirts that are starchy, and yet don't hold their form. And that's why you're going to love these shirts. I know you will. Well, let's take another call, shall we? Raj, Vienna, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Thank you, Mark. I'm deeply grateful for, for your consistent looking at the precise details of all these things. I'm also encouraged much by your dear father, and what he's doing even at this age, just like Caleb of old. And so thank you. Thank you. I was wanting to address this picture which has been painted of all these people in the shadows and in such, dis- uh, in such despair. We've got to join them with their families. What happened to that thing of self-revealing? Raj, I I don't understand the propaganda that has built up around all this, that people come into this country to do jobs Americans won't do. That is so offensive, absolutely offensive. Uh, That's number one. Number two, that people who come into this country are dreamers. You know, we don't even call our own kids, uh, or the government doesn't, or these politicians don't, dreamers. Uh, People are people. There's some good people. There's some people who are rotten to the core. There's some people who are successful, some people who are failures, some people on the dole. So let's stop playing games and saying this group, they're dreamers, and the rest of us are schlubs. That's that's point number two. Point number three, let us not pretend that when people come into this country by self-selection, chain migration, among other things, that you're getting, quote-unquote, the cream of the crop. I keep hearing that, too. Maybe there are many that are the cream of the crop. I have no idea. Nobody has any idea because it's not merit-based. It's self-immigration. It's, it's, it's uh, applying jurisdiction to yourself and to your family. Who knows? If it's the cream of the crop, if it's not the cream of the crop, I have no idea. The government has no idea. And these hack politicians have no idea either. That is why would it not help to declare persona non grata all those who are without papers and have them self-reveal before a certain date? And well, first, this, because they, they, they don't want to send them home. The whole point is they don't have papers. Uh, they don't care. 
they want to get them on a pathway to citizenship as quickly as possible so they can vote. But Raj, I want to thank you for your call, my friend. Hope all is well in Vienna, Virginia there. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I hope you enjoyed today's show. There's more tomorrow. Check out Levin TV tonight. It's free for everybody. I know you're going to like it. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless you.